didn't, I mean, but I mean, it didn't make any difference. I mean, hear, hearing your, your cruising stories made my day this morning. half an hour of cruising this morning. Well, sounded longer than no, that to me. Are you sure? Yes, yes. No, it was definitely longer. And I tell you, what, I know how it was longer because you were doing it when I got in the car. I, I because the driver it. had it on, and then I got here, and we were uh, we were listening to it upstairs. Really? Holly Knight, yes. I think if you cut the bits up and add them up, <laughs> it'll only be thirty minutes. <laughs> Did you have a nice cabin? Uh, a stateroom. Oh, so you had a stateroom. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> stateroom. Yeah. I was terribly disappointed. Are, are they bigger on Cunard no. on the, on Ro- than on Royal Caribbean? They're all the same. They are, aren't because, they? Because, you know, the, the staterooms are actually built off-site, prefabricated... And slotted and in. slotted in. Yes. They are, they are effectively, uh, what are they? Like Modu- a caravan. Yes, like a modular caravan. A modular caravan. Where they sort of, it's all done, it's all thing, and they bring it in, and then they just connect up the... Connect the electricity and the yeah. water. Yeah. And it's, uh, but, I mean, they're, you know, they're lovely. What was the nicest thing was the carpets have never been walked on. Nice. The linen had never been slept in. Nice. And it was beautiful. It was like you could feel the pile between yes. your toes and all this. It was. And really the staff, they've actually moved from ship to ship, yeah. haven't they? So they know they the how staff. to deal with, with, with customers. Yeah. How yeah. oh, lovely. No, it was a treat. I was looking at the prices, actually, on the sort of uh, staterooms, and you could click on and see all the different rooms and what mm. they look like. Some nice ones upstairs, some little duplexes. Yeah, lovely. 15,000 quid. Well, exactly. But the best thing, 600 quid, New York, and return. Wow. Book in advance. In fact, they're doing trips now for it's not bad, is October, it? November. I'll 600, just... 600 pounds. Is it? I'll mm. send the producer. Including the flight. Including the flight. That's not bad, is it? I mean, if, you, if you're actually going to do a, a holiday, that's that's the one to well, do. All, all in, you know, you don't even pay for any extras. Yes. Well, you don't, do you? Well, I don't drink. You've learnt to work your passage, <laughs> as they say. Work your passage now. Bless your heart. Bye. See you tomorrow. Off he goes into the distance. Do you know, I feel as though we've done the 4th of December. I don't know why. We haven't done it yet. We're sort of getting round to it. We're still in... I think we're still in October, as far as I remember. I know we are, because today we've launched the, uh, the intranet here at Global. I can't get on it at the moment, because I, it says somebody's got my name, and I think there's about three or four people at Global who are also called Steve Allen. Let me just do this uh, very quickly, because otherwise the, uh, the producer's got nothing to look at for the next two hours. Good news about the miners. It's taking them a, a while... To get them up, it's 20 minutes up, so 20 minutes down, and the, the, the turnaround period. So you're looking at approximately an hour for each one, I would think. So by the time, or, or for, perhaps for two. Because by the time you've actually pulled the thing up, and it must be, I mean, for them, having spent so many months down there, because you know that the miners are treated abysmally abroad. In China, the human rights record, you know, if, if there was something like this before, they'd have just left them down there. It's only because the world focused its attention that all of a sudden they started going, oh, let's see if we can bring them back up again. And it's turned into a giant media circus. The second miner, uh, Mario, is just being brought up to the surface now. And then what they do is, so he's been standing in this cage. I had to laugh upstairs when I was watching it. And, and they then put him on a stretcher, and he didn't want to get on a stretcher, the first one. He was obviously quite capable. They've been, they've been standing up and lying down. They've had their sleep. Uh, but when you think how far underground they are... Phew, I mean, it's quite some achievement, isn't it? Be more on that throughout the day on LBC because they're, they're going to keep bringing them up, and each one of them, not knowing the media attention, is going to be coming into the glare of television spotlights and media, and there'll be interest in books and interest in photo spreads and interest. There was one miner didn't, didn't his girlfriend find, didn't his wife find out that he had a girlfriend or something? It's going to be an interesting one, and there'll be film rights. So, so they could, in, in effect, make a lot of money. Which is good for them, because they'll probably get paid diddly squat for going down there and risking your life. Although, as Anthony said, the one thing they are, they are professional people. That's what they are. They're miners. 
You don't just shove somebody down there who's never experienced anything like that. So, uh, good for them. Uh, anyway, <coughs> excuse me. Jonathan Levi will be in a little bit later on. We'll have a look through the papers. There is the usual stuff today. Apart from the, uh, the miners, there's the Air Chief Marshal going to war over the RAF cuts. Well done to uh, Howard Jacobson. He must be very pleased. Very, very pleased. Comes with some money as well. Always useful in this day and age. Uh, plus, Santa Claus is going online at Argos. Not sure about that. Apparently, you can fill in a wish list and they, and it will, and they, they circulate it. Because, you know, you can write to Father Christmas. I write every year. We get... You always write to Father Christmas. The producer writes to him every year. Of course, I mean, systematically, they ignored them. You know, please can I have a million pounds and find me a rich boyfriend. Usual kind of thing, you know, that you write to at Christmas. And he writes back and goes, no, but here's, here's 20 cigarettes to keep you going for the festive season. So, um, I'm not sure about it. I, th- I think you should write, because if you just write Father Christmas, care of the North Pole, when it goes into the post box, don't t- put, put the things in the kids' ears, la, 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 la. And, and the post office have a special department, and they send it off there, and you get a reply from Father Christmas. And when I was in Lapland, the post office there stamps them, Lapland, Father Christmas land, and so you get a special reply back from Father Christmas. It's all geared up, isn't it, in my day? You've got absolutely nothing at all, I'm afraid. Nothing, you just got, you know, in fact, I don't even think we wrote to Father Christmas. No, in fact, I'm pretty certain we didn't write to Father Christmas. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll take your texts and your emails, and uh, I have already had some Christmas cards in... I know, I know you might think it's a bit balmy, but uh, Linda and family from Crawley have sent me in a Christmas card. Actually, I think they sent one to John Warrington at the, at the same time. Jamie Oliver says that nobody understands him, not even his wife. So, I mean, I, you can understand that, can't you? I mean, occasionally I do watch Jamie Oliver and I do think, I can't understand you either. I don't know what you're talking about. But strangely, I like him. Strangely, I like him, although I can't take to this Essex programme... What a bunch of numpties. I mean, they really are. The blokes, the saddest bunch of... That's the best that they could get from Essex. Of course, all the intelligent Essex blokes don't want to appear on silly television programmes, making themselves look like prize prats. Is, is Mario out? Yep, he's out. Look at him. Look, hey, he's out. His wife's going, oh, my God. You've put on weight. And, um, you know, kind of thing. But little cages, so it takes 20 minutes. She's all excited. Photo opportunity. They've had to give them all sunglasses. Because they're coming up into the... Gla- they've been underground for so long, it can affect their eyesight. So they're now going to be whisked away. They said originally they weren't going to allow them to meet wives and girlfriends and family because they want to get them checked over quickly. Because there are all sorts of things that can go wrong with your respiratory system. And, you know, being underground for that amount of time. Anyway, he seems fairly happy to see her. Oh, oh, love you, love you. All that kind of stuff. So anyway, so they'll now whisk him off to... Uh, to hos- he does look quite fit, actually. He looks like he's brought her a present. Perhaps there's a shop underground. He's, he's foraging in his bag. And I think he's, he's brought back... He's brought back presents for people. Look, he's given them bits of rock. He's brought back rock in his, uh, in his rucksack and given them... Oh, how lovely, honestly. Welcome to Chile, all the way through it. How nice is that? Because that's good, actually, because they've been down there mining the stuff. So he's actually had the foresight. And he looks really fit. He looks very, very fit, considering they've been underground for these months, and he's been down there, and he's thought of putting things in there. You watch. He'll have sorted out the book deal before this, uh, before they've actually got him through the hospital. They're all doing book deals. All of them. They've all been offered book deals by publishers and film rights. It's going to make them very, very rich. In terms of... Ch- they're, they're, of course they're smiling. They're alive. Normally... And I hate to say this, but normally, miners in countries like this, the conditions are so appalling in the mines that... If this hadn't got 
worldwide attention, they'd have left them. They would have left. Do you remember the Russians with their submarine that sank? And as opposed to launching a massive operation to get it back up again, they died. <coughs> but he's, he's doing really well, actually. Really well indeed. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Bridget says, I've been up since 3.30, watching the rescue, sending lots of positive thoughts to the rescuers. They all seem very positive. Yeah, go on, send us in a text on Twitter. Go on, if you must. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or lbc97.3. Did you know any of the miners? What would you bring back from Chile? <laughs> Strangely enough, Ray says, I'm very happy for the miners and their families. Good to know they're all going to be reunited. I know, especially the bloke who's been cheating on his wife and whose girlfriend came to see him off and the wife never realised. That's the funny one. Um, <coughs> Strangely enough, in the papers today, they're saying, and I don't believe it, that Christine Bleakley's on the way out from the Daybreak programme because the audience is, is dropping. Now, the reason the audience is dropping, and it's got nothing to do with them... It's, it's got to do with the fact that when somebody has chemistry on one programme with a person, because it's on at five o'clock, uh, you might not have chemistry with them on another programme that starts at what you and I would call the crack of dawn. And so you're not going to have the same kind of thing. Also, the papers are saying that because she's not the wholesome girl next door, as everybody said, now she's going out with a footballer. They think that's dragged her down and they're saying she's a wag. The truth of the matter is, she comes over, because if you're on telly, you've got to smile. Got to smile a lot. But first thing in the morning, it does look a little bit false. So whilst he looks as though he's about to nod off, she looks as though she's all singing, all dancing, smiley, smiley, carol, smiley. Which is what Julie Peasgood said the other day. She said, I'm, I'm seen as a bit smiley, smiley, carol, smiley. She, but, but, but she is happy. Julie's, Julie's sort of fairly bouncy most of the time but christine bleakley i'm afraid it, it never had the chemistry i just saw her as another another tv presenter who can read an auto cue and attempts to smile for everything whereas if one of the guests turned around and went god you're rubbish i don't know whether or not she'd still smile and go thank you anyway let's go to a brick <laughs> i just don't know what they do i don't think she'd ever cope because you know who they've axed from emmerdale they've got rid of viv viv from the corner shop Vivu's been a mainstay after 18 years. Finally, uh, finally got rid of her, which is a shame. Because I liked her. I liked her a lot. I see they've had a, a good clear-out down in Ilford. Found all these Romanian gypsies who've um, ferried children over here. They've abducted children to bring them over here. And uh, the idea is that they make them beg and steal. They teach them how to thieve from handbags. And so they've arrested six people. They've also found a pregnant 12-year-old girl... Now, I have to tell you that this isn't such a surprise in Roma families. It's quite normal for 12-year-olds to get married and become pregnant. This is not... It seems unusual to us because we have the age of consent at 16, but in Roma gypsy families, girls of 12 get, get pregnant. They are, in fact, fixed up with somebody at an early age and they get them pregnant. That's what they do. But, unfortunately, here, this child trafficking ring, they steal children in Romania, ferry them over here. 17, they found. One particular woman who lives amongst this uh, community, said one girl of 18 had 10 children. She said, I kept thinking, how's an 18-year-old got 10 children? Answer is, they're child traffickers. They abuse children and they use them for thieving. We seem to become overrun with things like that, don't we? About time we got back to a bit of normality. We will, because it's quarter past five. 
These are the headlines in the last hour. The first of the 33 Chilean miners stuck underground for more than two months have been brought to the surface. 31-year-old Florencio Avalos appeared from the rescue shaft to be met by his wife, one of his children and the president. The second miner is now up. It's a journey of about 20 minutes. It could be delayed at airports and ports today as a two-day strike begin by immigration staff. The border agency workers are protesting at changes to their shift patterns. And England could only manage a goalless draw with Montenegro last night in their Euro 2012 qualifier. The result was met with a chorus of boos at Wembley. Have a check on the road, shall we? Jay Louise. Thank you very much. The.co.uk slash podcasts. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Wednesday morning. Wednesday The what? The what? The abuse never stops. I know, bless her heart. I was just saying, I was just singing a little song to Amanda as a reminder of, you know, home and the paddy fields. Because when we lived in, in Hong Kong, we used to go to China. We used to go over on the Star Ferry to the New Territories, which was a bit undiscovered in those days. In fact, it was so undiscovered, we were about the only ones there. And you'd have all the rice fields. And it was, it was fascinating because women would do all the back-breaking work. When we lost her... And they'd sort of come in and they'd be literally bent double. I mean, how nobody, you know, ended up with really, really bad backs. I've got no idea. But you'd be bent double with little bits of rice, planting it, planting it, planting it, planting And that's what you do all day. And I said to Amanda, I said, you miss the simple life, don't you, really? <laughs> Bless her heart. Because you do. When you think about it, people who've got very little seem to have loads more, if you, if, if you get my drift. You know when you've got everything? And she does have everything, you know, ponchos, every, you know, she's got loads of things like that. But it's... We, we just have everything over here, and we, we just take it for granted. I was telling... Who was I telling the other day? We were talking about when we, when we flew into Vegas, we flew over Greenland. We came in at the top, Canada and Greenland, and the sea was frozen. And it was all ice. All ice and snow and peaks, and it was just beautiful. And it reminded me of a programme on the television where they were following two Chinese guys. And in the middle of winter, where it is freezing... They go onto the lakes, and the lakes, I think, are about six or seven foot of ice. They're frozen. You could light a fire, like we used to have in London, the frost fairs, years and years ago. And um, what he used to do is he drilled a hole. He used to cycle on his bicycle over the ice. This man must have been about 60 or 70, because age knows no barrier in China at all. And drilled a hole, and he dropped down a net into this hole. And then he went 20 feet away, and he drilled another hole... And what he's trying to do is he had a long bamboo pole which they poked into the hole and they feed it along, then they grab hold of the net and they pull it up through the second hole. They've been doing it for about 40 years. And then what they do is they hopefully catch a couple of fish and that, that does them for the day. But because it's so cold there, the moment the fish came out, they hit the air and they were frozen solid. These things never... They went to and then stopped moving. <coughs> Having just told her a short while ago, the cold's getting better, the cough's now got worse. Mm. So it reminded me that uh, over here, we haven't got it bad at all. You know, you get a few sort of bad days and that's, uh, that's about it. Uh, poppy selling's coming up very shortly. And over in Aldi, one particular branch, they didn't want the poppy sellers in there. They said, uh, no, because Aldi, as you know, is owned by the Germans. Now, whether or not... This was a, a German-British thing. We have no idea. But at the last minute, this particular store have changed their mind. They're now going to let Mr Myers and his colleagues stand inside there in Great Harwood and sell their poppies. Which I think is particularly good news because 
Um, they need that money from the poppies. And I don't care whether you stand inside a store or outside of a store. As long as you buy a poppy, <coughs> that's, the, that's the best thing that you can do. And you don't have to pay a lot for it. If you've only got 20p, you give 20p. If you've got a pound, you give a pound. If you can afford a fiver, give a fiver. Because they need that, that money. Now, normally what happens is people will sort of go into a store, see the manager and say, listen, we're collecting for this or that. Is it OK to stand inside? And if it's something like, I mean, I generally don't give to collections as they come round. Uh, the, the only ones I would give to would be Help for Heroes or, or the Poppies. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give to anybody. Because it's so easy to go out and buy a collecting tin, print something up on the internet, print a fake parcel. I mean, you can print them up. I know this. I've seen people who've printed stuff on the internet, complete with, with barcodes and holograms. You can buy programmes. So, so it makes it look as though you're official. Most of you wouldn't have the faintest idea. You see somebody rattling a tin and they go, oh, it's for, for little children or it's for the... And I don't have any idea. I don't know enough about them. <coughs> and they uh, <coughs> let them do it at Marks and Spencer's in Twickenham. But I find it intimidating because sometimes they're just inside the door and they're standing there rattling a tin. Now, I always thought, as the law went, that if somebody rattles a tin under your nose, that's called begging. It's like the chuggers. I mean, I've lost count of the amount of chuggers that I've need between the, uh, the legs to get them out of the way, because I know that what they are is out-of-work actors who are earning nine to ten pounds an hour in an effort to get money out of you. And I've said before, if you want to give money to a charity, give it direct. Don't give it to people who jump out in front of you. Students, they, they target in Kingston all the time. It's, it's chronic, it really is. Uh, Colin says, belated welcome back. Have you told Chinese Amanda how much you missed her? No, because I didn't. So there you go. I don't need to... I brought her back a present. I brought her back a present. You know, yeah, I mean, it was, I brought her back two, two presents, you know, and what have I had? Nothing but abuse. Two lollies all the way from Las Vegas. I mean, I've lost track of the carbon footprint cost. You know, I bought these two lollies back in my luggage. You know, admittedly, I didn't suck much of the colour out when I gave them to her. I'd just done a little bit. I just had a try to see if they were... And then I put the plastic round again and just sealed it at the bottom. So it's still sticky, I know. But it's OK. And she seems quite happy. I mean, those lollies will last her the best part of two months. You know, she's not, she's not a greedy person. Before she goes to bed at night, she'll unwrap it, little lick, put the re and then put it on the side again. That's all she needs. Although she walks in this morning... And she goes, have you got any biscuits? You know, like, I don't give her my last drop of blood when I come in. You know, I mean, you know, she's worked with some people who aren't as generous. You know, there are other presenters on this station. I don't want to mention any names. But coming up to Christmas, they don't buy their, their staff anything at all. They abs... Well, of course you're my staff. What do you think you are? Yes, you're my staff. You are on... You're, you're salaried on the company. You... The producer's supposed to be in charge. Yes, but exactly. But I don't think it's ever going to be the Amanda show, is it? And let's put it that way. I think you find it's always going to be saying the Steve Allen show. It's never going to be saying the Amanda show. It's never in a million years. If we thought it was going to be the Amanda show, I think you'd have been making your audition tapes already. But exactly. But the trouble is, you see, what you have to do, you have to let them believe that they're in charge. You know, so in other words, so I don't let her do that anyway, because I don't do that that sort of programme. You know, mine is a personality programme based on my personality. And I've said before, you know, when somebody's written in before, they say, oh, I think we should, we should hear more of so-and-so, so-and-so. No, you wouldn't. You don't want to hear more of this person. You don't want to hear more of her. You don't. She, she's sort of better, you know, seen but not heard. That kind of thing. Or perhaps it's the other way around. I can't remember. Anyway, Dawn has been watching The X Factor and disagrees with me about Katie. She says, uh, you've been saying how she can't sing. I think she's a terrible singer. 
I do think she's a terrible singer. She says, uh, I've seen her live at least three or four times at the Bedford and Regal Rooms two or three years ago, and I wish she had a, a great live voice. She plays piano and writes her own songs. She was using a different surname when I saw her, Katie Vogel. Katie Vogel. You see, people do that, don't they, a bit? She says her survival song on Sunday was a better choice. Steve Hargrave was, I was right, in Vegas to interview Barry Manilow, tweeted about it, and he particularly enjoyed Bazza playing him his cover of Take That's Could It Be Magic? Of course, which was Bazza's song to start with, wasn't it? Steve was tweeting from Las Vegas on Monday night, but tonight, Tuesday, tweeting from Memphis. I've seen how busy Daybreaker be keeping. He's been to Cardiff, Bath, Manchester and Brighton. Lovely, isn't it? I, th- I thought he was working hard enough at the last place. He's <laughs> working even harder here. She says, I haven't been to Costco in Las Vegas, but I have been to one in Florida. It's handing me able to use the Costco membership over there. Yeah, the only problem is you've got to pay cash. Because they don't accept British debit cards in Costco. They don't accept... You can use your debit card in a cash machine, which I used in Costco, but you can't put them through their, uh, their tills. They don't work, unfortunately. Which is a shame. Oh, look, the staff's arrived. Thank Oh, is it, well, just half a cup. What are we on? A, have you spilt it's most not, of it? No, it's what? not fixed in properly. And it, well, it's dribbling out really, really... It's just dribbling. Oh, right. Yeah. So we've just got the dribbles. Yeah. Is that it? That's, that's all I could get. Oh, dear. But, so you don't have to thank me or anything for that. You know, that's... Okay. Cost me another blasted lolly. I can tell. Just, she's angling for another present at Christmas. We've already had the <laughs> subtle hints like, oh, perhaps a mortgage would be nice this year, or a motor car, or something like that. God, I tell you, it's expensive keeping her. Thank God we're not going out. Imagine trying to feed it every day as well. Well, can we have steak to... Oh, no, she's vegetarian. Can we have salmon? No, we can't. Can we go and eat veg... No, we can't. You don't eat very much. No, just... You've got any biscuits in the cupboard? This from the woman who stole from the cupboard while I was away and then, ladies and gentlemen, had to come and apologise and go, you may have noticed that maybe there's things missing from the cupboard. No, this is while I was away. You know, knowing that I couldn't see... And she didn't say it was her, but I know from another member of staff who's very reliable that, in fact, it was her. The water's nice, tastes a bit dribbly, but there you go. What can we expect? Uh, Noreen has booked a show to see The Honeycombs. Now, The Honeycombs were famous because they had uh, a female drummer, big hit single, Have I the Right, and Vanity Fair, big hit single, Sun, 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 wee. I live for the sun. At the Radlett Centre, she says, where we first saw you four years ago. Was it, it was never four years ago that we played... Tell me it wasn't four years ago we played the Radlett Centre. Actually, my friend Nick Lazarus said, are you playing the Radlett Centre again? And I haven't bothered to reply to him yet because I've got so, so bogged down with things and I'm get, trying to get rid of this stupid cough and cold. It's not so much the cold, it's the cough thing. So last night I went to bed at about five o'clock. And then I woke up... You know what it's like? I don't know whether it's, it's an age thing. You probably find yourself doing the same. But you, you go to bed and you think you've had a really great night's sleep and I went to bed at probably about 20 past five... I wake up, go into the bathroom to do, you know, go in the bathroom, and I looked at the clock, ten to eight. So I've hardly been in bed any time at all. So I then, I think, oh, that's good, I've got loads of work. I feel as I've been sleeping forever. So I go back to bed again, and then I wake up, and it's ten past one. And I thought, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up at ten past one. And so I got up at ten past one, and I did myself beans on toast at ten... I know... A fool to myself. Beans on toast with some grated cheese on the top, and it was delicious. It was delicious. It was absolutely wonderful. So I did that, but it's this, it's this going to bed early bit and thinking you've had a great night's sleep and then discovering you've only been in bed like two hours. It's really odd. Very, very strange. Anyway, um, Noreen says, Clive told Ian Dale about you and your new socks. Ian thought he was joking. Why would Clive Ball be discussing my socks? What an odd thing. Because Ian Dale apparently is a... Uh, is I'm sure Ian is a diabetic as well, but I think he's only tablet... 
amateur. And uh, doesn't do the proper stuff, you know, with the needles and all the rest of it. And apparently, somebody told me he's not even doing his tablets at the right time. Need to sort him out properly. But, uh, yeah, everybody talks about my, my socks. I mentioned it to somebody in Las Vegas, and they thought I was joking, too. God knows what the cleaners must have thought, because I would take my socks off and pop them in the rubbish bin. Probably over there, they've probably taken them out and used them, I should imagine, again. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I shall need to check with Clive while he's discussing my socks. The reason is, being diabetic, I'm panic-stricken over my feet, because I'm getting less and less feeling in my legs going down to my feet for something. They, all, they always check you. But strange enough, when we were walking about Las Vegas, I went through a phase, for about an hour each day, of having, you know, dead legs. You know, kids that hit you at school. And I ended up with a dead leg from my, on my right side, from my knee, all the way up to my, well, quite high. And, um, and that was fine. And then obviously somebody hit me. I've got bruises on my arm. Look at this. Where's that come from? Ridiculous. I've never heard anything like it. It's quite ridiculous. Anyway, it's nice to have company. It's Wednesday morning. It's LBC. We'll go through the papers in a moment. The time now, though, is 5.30. I took the car in yesterday uh, because I, I've, I've got... Well, I've, because I've told you about the windscreen wipers. That I was going down the motorway and the metal rod in one of them went ping... And I ended up with no windscreen wipers, and I had to drive back to the garage in driving rain with no wipers at all. So it's gone in to have that done, but you've got to lift up the thing, and you've got to get inside the engine anyway to, to put that on. So, so I thought, while it's there, I'm having a few other bits and pieces done, a bit more of the leather done. And that's quite nice. And then Peter, who sorts all these things out for me, uh, said that uh, he used to listen to Sarah Kennedy. He said, never since Sarah's gone, he said, I listen to you. Which is good news, and uh, because a, a, a lot of people, you know, think that Sarah and I were quite similar. I promise you we're not. But anyway, so, so he said, I've started listening. He said, and the wife the other day, Peter's long-suffering wife, was saying, she said, oh, I'm so bored with listening to Radio 2. Because, you know, in the morning, more people are listening to this programme than are listening to anything else. You know, we have the catchment, mainly because they're all a little bit this is, that was, and very sexy voices. And frankly, it's dull, dreary, and dated. So anyway, so Peter's wife says, uh, I'm sick to death of listening to Radio 2. She said, what do you listen to? He said, I listen to Steve Allen on LBC. She said, I'm going to start listening to Steve Allen on LBC. So we've got two new listeners, and then I bumped into Brenda the other day. Now, you remember Brenda used to work in The Chemist in Twickenham. And uh, then she went into hospital for, uh, for, for cancer. And so she's out again, and they've done all the bits, but they're going to put her on chemo. So she goes into hospital, <laughs> and she's sitting there, she said, and she's talking to somebody in the, in the next bed, and he might be called Ron from Witten. Might not be. And for some reason, they sort of got around to who they listened to on the radio, and she said, I listen to Steve Allen on LBC. And Ron said, I listen to Steve Allen! And so they were then comparing stories. And she said, oh, I see Steve quite a lot in, in Twickenham if I'm there. And, and then other people from the hospital got to hear about it. And very soon, there's a Steve Allen group going on in the hospital down the road. And so then she said to me, she said, I've got to have chemo. And I said, well, that's good. She said, well, the, the, the surgeon said, you know, we want to clear it all up so we can have chemo. I said, you'll, you'll, you'll be getting a wig. She said, they've made it already. They've made her a wig. She, she quite likes it. <laughs> she quite likes it. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. But uh, she's doing really, really well. And for anybody else who's in hospital and who's got either operations today or things that you're a bit scared of or things that you don't really understand, then, you know, you don't need to worry because a lot of us are in the same position. We're with things we don't understand as well. And you just sort of, you just go through it. Just work on the assumption 
that everybody in the hospital does it every single day. It's like riding a bike. Well, it's not quite. If it's like riding a bike, you wouldn't be in hospital. You'd be outside on a bicycle. But it's, it's very similar to that. You don't need to worry about it. So it doesn't matter if you're in prison. I know we've got people in prison listening to this programme. I know, because I get cards. I get letters, Mark. Do I not? And um, he's in... He's in uh, uh, there's a guest of Her Majesty for some time, I suspect. For some time. So there's loads of people. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be a milkman getting up this morning. You could be a doorman going home. You can be sort of a cleaner on the streets listening. I was down <coughs> yesterday. I got off my bus, ran over the... Ran over the road. Sorry. Fooled myself. Walked over the road rather sedately. Because it's so chilly out. And somebody went, Steve! And I thought it was an advert for a television show. Steve, Steve, Steve. It was an advert for a television programme. And so I'm going into Waterloo. (coughs) Excuse me, it was a bus driver. And he said, I was listening to you this morning. I said, me too. I was listening as well. And I didn't even get his name. Wendy in Camberwell says, watching the rescue of the miners really warms your heart. Hope they all make it out safely. They will. Of course, you wouldn't want to be the last miner, would you? You'd want to be the last... Because all of a sudden... Because you're going to be there for ages, all by yourself, talking to the walls, hoping. Because they're so... I mean, when you think about it, it's quite an engineering feat. Quite an engineering feat that they've actually (coughs) managed to get them down there. Uh, My grandfather, Steve, was a miner. Made of tough stuff, I can tell you. So pleased for them and their loved ones that they're alive and being rescued. Says H. Kev, the milkman. Says, if this mine situation happened here, would the miners be met by Davina McCall? Dear 62 in the Big Brother Mine. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if it was? I can, do you know, actually, it's not as far-fetched as you think it is. Uh, Stephen Harlington says, The only charity I give to is the RNLI. They're all volunteers and the best in the world. And um, Graham says, It's actually illegal to shake a charity box under somebody's nose. Hope you had a good holiday. I did. Are the lollies called gobstoppers? No, do you know what? I, I should have described the lollies. I should have taken a picture of it. Um, it looks like a dice. A red... Los- Oh, really? I, th- I thought you wrapped them and given them to somebody else to save the cost of another Christmas present. I bought her two. I gave her a, a red one and a green one. You know, I thought, because out of the goodness of my heart and the fact that they were actually quite expensive, I thought, what can I take back the woman who has everything? I was going to bring back penicillin, but I thought better of it and thought, if I take back two lollies shaped like dice, she'll be happy. Do you know, and all I got was grief and misery. You know, you can see her looking, because for other people I brought back boxes of chocolates and clothes and diamantes and stuff like that. And she gets two lollies. And you can see the look, of, the look of disbelief on her face when she's sort of thinking, you know, even Johnny Vaughan gets a set of lighters from Poundland. What do I get? Two blasted lollipops. But I'm thinking, don't spoil her. If you spoil her, she's going to start thinking, oh, you know, life's always going to be like this. And, of course, it isn't. Because eventually she's going to work with a presenter who's mean and stingy and tight and wouldn't even think of even sending her a Christmas card at Christmas with money in it. You know, those sort of people who probably exist on LBC that I wouldn't even mention. Uh, Lewis in Hornchurch. Actually, I do check with other presenters. I say, did you buy buy so-and-so for your producer? No. And I think... Are you sure you didn't? I've always done it for for 32 years, always. Because I work on the assumption, if I'm earning a little bit more than they are, and it is just a little bit more, you know, it's nice to give to the little people, you know, and to to help them out. So, you know, maybe at Christmas she could perhaps have a small Christmas pudding or something, or or perhaps light an extra candle in the window, and, you know, perhaps have a small tree, a couple of little decorations and some lights. You know, so I like to help people out, you know. Nobody ever called me mean. In fact, you ask around here, I'm always the first person to put their hand in the pocket. I went out for lunch on Sunday, and the first thing she said was, did you pay? 
Because I automatically, strangely, on this particular day, I didn't, even though I had the money with me. Now, Lewis in Hornchurch says, you just mentioned the honeycombs. Honey Langtree, the drummer, is my nan. She's cool. Well, she certainly is. She certainly is. Do you know, I knew we'd find out that she was somebody's nan or mother or grandmother or something. I knew we would. Isn't it funny? Have I the right... There you go, Noreen. You see a link on the programme this morning. Already! In fact, strangely enough, uh, the Honeycombs drummer was unique in the fact, says Stephen Bridlington. She was the first ever female drummer in a pop group and inspired, as you know yourself, Karen Carpenter. Because Karen Carpenter played, uh, played drums. So there you go. So, so now we know that we've actually got a listener and Honey Langtree is his gran. How cool is that? Uh, Paul says... You're right about Daybreak. It looks false, and it's... Poor old Adrian can't read the auto cue. It's too far away. But, he says, I think that Julie would be ideal for it. Julie would be very good, you see. But he says, I think she's got better standards. By the way, I did send you an email yesterday, but I got to you obviously too late. My better half and I am arguing about whether or not Julie Peasgood was in Brookside. She was. She was in... She did do Brookside as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did she do Hollyoaks? Oh, well, she definitely did Brookside. Definitely. Says, uh, by the way, loved Claire Rayner's last words. Same as yourself, never frightened, to be honest. Listen, I always think, as, as long as you're being honest, you can't... Uh, my, my last words would be to Amanda, get your hands, the will, you're not in it, all right? Simple as that, because I bet you, she'd be, you know, I'd be on my deathbed, she'd be ferreting around, under, there'd be something here with my name on it. Look, look again, look again, where does it say Amanda? That's what she'd be doing. Where, where's the biscuit tin? He said there's money in there for me. She'd be fair... She would. She'd be going, he promised me that, he promised me that. And she'd cobble together something from the programme that would, that would prove I'd left her something. <laughs> that, she could edit loads of bits together. And so in court, they'd be, although tape is not admissible evidence in court, because I know you can play with it, but it would be funny. She'd say, hi, Amanda, I've left you all my money. <laughs> It'd be like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> and she'd be holding it up in court, going, he said I could have all his money. And, um, and that's how it is. Mark's on the, uh, on the warpath this morning. He's out there. He's repossessing cars. So if you owe money. Yeah, I said it, but only in fun, OK? Yeah, you're not having it. Listen, unless you've got it in writing, you're not having the money, all right? But I can see that on my deathbed. I can see that there. I've already said, actually, I, 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 want, to, I want to be put into an egg timer. So that she can have me permanently in the kitchen, just turn me upside down. Upside, look, that's Steve. Look, upside down, upside down. As in death as in life, boring as heck. <laughs> just see it, can't you? Poor old Anna's moved to Bulgaria and says, I've now got you on my computer, because we're two hours ahead. I can listen at 7 BG time, so I'm a new listener too. It's cool, isn't it? I don't know, what with you and, and Peter from Hanwell's and, uh, and, and Jerry... And Pete's wife, and we think the mother-in-law, we're not too sure about the mother-in-law, but all new listeners I'm eternally grateful to and for, because without you, we, we wouldn't be earning, and then Pete wouldn't have a good customer like me, which is quite nice. Morning, morning. Oh, look at this. Aren't you cold? Gosh. Look at that lovely cup of coffee. Look, the producer didn't even have to walk out. It's on the side table. She's in a funny mood this morning. Watch her. Don't, don't mention wills or money or leaving her anything. She's obviously in one of those money-grabbing kind of days. I don't know why. Very, very odd. Very, very odd. Other stories of the papers. Oh, your free film today in the mail is Carry On Abroad. I love Carry On Abroad. This is where they all went to Elle's Bells. And it was just wonderful. I always, my favourite line is Hattie Jakes in the kitchen with the cooker that won't work, going blooding, blooding cooker, blooding cooker. 
And that's where they had this funny stuff that they put in the drinks and everybody loved everybody. A really good one. I, I think it was... I can't remember where it was filmed. I need to check with Barbara and Scott on that one. But I cannot remember. But it was, it was another good one. You have to get it from, I think, Tesco or WH Smith. But isn't it funny? I mean, I keep mentioning these carry-ons. Poor Barbara and the uh, surviving members of... They don't make anything out of them. They make nothing. There were no, no provisions in the early days for, for people making money out of the films. Such a shame. Unlike, uh, strangely enough, the miners, who I think will make... I think that they will make a lot of money. They will make a lot of money when they come out with... Bo- so the, the pittance that they get for working down in the mines... That, that it's going to be quadri- it's going to be a huge amount of money for them. Somebody says, "Whoever thought Steve Allen doing hospital radio? I've never done hospital radio in my life. I'm afraid I never did hospital radio. Um, I was one of the only people who didn't. I do know people on radio who did hospital. I never did it. I was not one of those people. There was never any. Ho- we didn't have any hospital radios when I was uh, when I was around. I did go down to uh, Great Ormond Street." hospital, which is Radio Gosh, because Peter invited me down there years and years ago, but I've never actually worked a hospital radio. I've been to Radio Hillingdon a few times, and I did a documentary on hospital radio, but never, uh, never did it. Never did it. I don't know why, actually. Why didn't I do it? I can't remember why, actually. To be earning money, I suppose. I love Jane Moore's column today. She's talking about, um, she's talking about David Beckham and Caprice's ex-lover. She was in a restaurant with her new one, and uh, okay. and uh, the ex-lover came over in the restaurant to say hello. The model's new boyfriend reportedly flew into a jealous rage. A fellow diner says he tried to flip the table they were sitting at. He was so angry. Questioned later about the incident, Caprice purred. Isn't it lovely a man can be so gallant? And Jane Morris said, I think you'll find the word is possessive, dear. And if you want my advice, run as fast as your Jimmy Choose will carry you, in case it turns really ugly. You can imagine, somebody comes over and goes, hello, and the current boyfriend throws a queenie fit. Get away from him, Caprice, as quick as possible. Mind you, you're not the brightest penny in the box. I remember when you did come dine with me, and we all went back to what we thought was your lovely house with a swimming pool in the basement. It turned out it wasn't your house at all. But so many people tend not to use their own houses, uh, mainly because they're probably too embarrassed. I remember Abby Titmus had to borrow a friend's house. Actually, talking of Abby Titmus, she's going to be appearing not far from here. She's going to be playing a lesbian, and she's going to be at the Leicester Square Theatre, which, surprisingly, um, Abby, um, I was going to play, but it's just a bit too small for the LBC audience. But uh, I, was, I wasn't going to play a lesbian, no, quite clearly. Well, I don't know, though. I see no reason why I can't in this day and age. I think people should better play anything. Let's face it, you're actually playing a producer. Quarter to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. After spending 69 days deep underground in Chile, the second mine has come to the service. Both miners were hugged by their wives and the president of Chile. It's thought it'll take until tomorrow night to complete the rescue mission. There's a glimmer of hope between London Underground and Tube Unions after meetings to avoid the next strike. A new deal was put on the table during talks yesterday. The next walkout's due to start in less than three weeks. And England could only manage a goalless draw with Montenegro last night in their Euro 2012 qualifier. The result was met with a chorus of boos at Wembley. Let's have a check on the road, shall we, for you this morning? Get you there nice and quick. Jay Louise. Thanks. Say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. I'm feeling in such a good mood. It's Wednesday. I've got no reason to feel in a particularly good mood with a cough that won't go away and a producer who's moaning about the size of her uh, present back from holidays. What they normally do here, and I I have been remiss, and I do apologise to everybody who works for LBC... When people come back from holiday, what they generally do is nip to their local, local Aldi and they buy a foreign packet of sweets and they go sweets in the usual place. Because I've seen some very odd concoctions sitting by the photocopier. And so when I came back from Las Vegas, 
I didn't, I haven't brought anything. So what I'm going to have to do at some point is go out and buy a big jar of sweets and then come back and go, sweets in the usual place from Las Vegas. But I'm telling you, I don't believe anybody brings these sweets back from it. But why would you? And sometimes some of them look highly... So how they got through customs, I've got no idea. People have been known to be ill. Now, on the subject of why Clive Bull was discussing with Ian Dale my socks, according to Ruth, he was discussing the end of cheap clothing as cotton prices soar, hence the end of Steve's cheap socks. He'll have to stock up now. Well, excuse me, but I'm paying £10 for seven pairs. So it's £40 a month in socks. So they're not cheap. And the producer said, anyone would have to spend £15 a penny. She's really got it in for me this morning. I mean, really. You know, if she had the knife there, she'd be showing me her stabbing music and we'd be having that between the shoulder blades. So I said, well, however much it costs me to buy socks, the smaller your Christmas present gets. It's as simple as that. That shut her up very quickly. Um, somebody called Amel from the pop band The Sugar Babes, writes Jane Moore, tried to argue she shouldn't be banned from driving because she was too famous to use public transport. So Jane's put a photo of Amel and then went, nope, still can't place her. Because we had this before. Do you remember there was a girl in Emmerdale? Amy, was it Amy Nuttall? Was it? I think it was Amy Nuttall. Anyway, she, she was done for the same thing. And sh she argued in court as well that she couldn't be banned from driving because she was too famous to use public transport. Well, unfortunately, I'm one of those who is marginally famous in my own mind, probably, but I do use public transport. I sit on a train. I sit up. Why not? Heavens above. I, I tell you who I saw at Waterloo Station the other day. I'm walking uh, along to go and get my uh, train. Who was walking towards me with a head down, with a lovely hat on? Judith Chalmers. Judith Chalmers was at Waterloo Station. I thought, listen, if Judith Chalmers can go on public transport, it's good enough for me, and it's it's good enough for for all of us. You know, take full of... I love sitting on a bus in the morning. I, I really do. I love sitting on the bus in the morning. You sit there, because quite clearly all the people there are obviously going off to work as cleaners or whatever it happens to be. And I sort of sit there, my little case. It's a bit sad, really. But I quite like it. I mean, I'm, I'm quite good on things like that. I go over Waterloo Bridge and I stare out and I look down to St Paul's Cathedral and I always I do the same every day. In my mind, I'm singing Feed the Birds, Tuppence a Bag. She's got her little button pushed down next door so I can hear her. She's, she's chatting away next door to Jonathan Levi, who's going to be with us after the news at six. You still had your finger on the button, so I'm hearing all your conversations. Which is OK, I, I don't mind, actually. It's got stuck, I know. It was interesting hearing it. Thank God you were complimentary about me, but there you go. Because I did believe that last week when I was not here, there was an incident where the... Um, I can't tell you what it was, actually. It was such a good story. Where the person in one of these studios was talking about somebody the other side and had forgotten that the, it's an open talkback. And so the person the other side heard what they were saying. So funny. <laughs> wasn't me, of course. Uh, right. Oh, guess who are Britain's rudest motorists? Yeah, love this one. Who, what, what cars do they drive? Certainly not Bentleys, let me tell you. BMWs. BMW drivers, apparently, are the, are the angriest motorists. BMW drivers. Which reminds me that uh, one of Sarah Ferguson's children had a bit, of a, a bit of an incident with a bus and a lorry. Yes, uh, an incident with, with a bus and a, and a lorry at Hyde Park Corner, and apparently she got out of the car, apparently her, her BMW was wedged in between the two. Luckily she had a policeman with her because we're paying a quarter of a million pounds a year to look after it. And they obviously thought it was some incident. She's on her phone at the side of the road, apparently in tears. 
I thought, this is an everyday occurrence in London. There's loony drivers out there. Absolutely, you've really got to... It's not just you driving. You've got to watch everybody else. Talking of watching everybody else, I do watch Michael Parkinson. Michael Parkinson used to be an LBC presenter. Uh, although the funny thing was, he, he joined us uh, to do the morning programme that James O'Brien does now. And, and he did... I think one week, and then he went off to Australia for the cricket season. Unfortunately, LBC had booked an advertising campaign on the side of buses, saying, tune in to LBC to hear Michael Parkinson. And, of course, he wasn't there, because he was off doing the cricket. But he has now lashed out at uh, comedian Russell Brand, labelling him pointless. He actually says here he has compared his film career to that of Rin Tin Tin. That button is still stuck, isn't it, there? No, nothing you can do about it. OK, just say nice things about me. Tall, good-looking, you know, rich, and your Christmas present gets bigger. At the moment, it's a fairly small... a fairly small toffee, but uh, it might increase to maybe the whole packet. So, so Parky has criticised chat show hosts who are celebrities. Celebrity chat show hosts. He says because they've got more to talk about than the guest. And that's the problem, he said, with Graham Norton. But, you see, Parky comes from a different... a different era when it comes to doing... Uh, interviewing. I mean, he used to have all his friends on. In fact, he used to have... It was a bit like uh, Jonathan Ross. His agent used to pump guests through, so if they were promoting, like, Jimmy Carr of a video, then they would go on Jonathan Ross. But that's how it works with anybody. Any chat show host will only have people on the programme that they want to talk to. Same for me for in conversation. If I, if I don't want to talk to somebody, there's no point in, in giving me somebody who I'm either not a fan of or who I don't think I've got anything in common with. So, consequently, people say, oh, you know, have you ever had a bad guest? The answer is, not really, because they're all people that we've, we've booked specifically. We've booked people specifically for the, for the, the programme, and that's why, and Parky got them. But he was always interested, Parky, in uh, how much m- money they'd made. Being, being a, a Yorkshireman, he were a bit gruff. But, in fact, him and Mary had made a fortune out of the business. But he was always interested in other people. But he did, I suppose, pick up on Billy Connolly... And Billy Connolly was voted, just a short while ago, the comedian's comedian. The person who could stand there and tell you something uh, about his life and you would just be doubled up. You would go home with a pain in, in the side of your, of your chest because it hurt so much. You know, that's the sort of thing. But uh, now, whether or not Russell Brand is pointless, I don't know. I'm sure he has his fans. Uh, I didn't think that the, uh, the incident with Manuel was particularly good. No. No, that's lovely. I like that when your mouth moves and I can't hear anything. I'm going for that in a big way. I like that. Can we buy that? Is that possible we can buy that? It's like waving a magic wand, because at the moment we have a sticky button. And there's nothing, you, you, you push it in and it stays in. It's a bit like your belly button. You know you've got an innie or an outie belly button. Do you ever do that when you were a kid? Oh, right, belly buttons were always innies or outies. And I was never sure if I was an innie or an outie. Although looking at a f- picture of Chantelle Houghton, I don't think she knows either. Because she's pictured in the paper today showing her ex-husband, President, what he's missing. I don't know why the papers always print this. They always go, and here is, you know, Chantelle or whoever it happens to be, showing their ex-husband what they're missing. You think, he knows exactly what he's missing. That's why he's not with her. I should imagine the problem with her is it's not the assets, it's something you've got to talk to. And I wouldn't imagine, having seen Chantelle on the television in numerous guises, that you could actually have an intelligent conversation. I mean, what could she discuss? You know, she's, she's apparently 27, but with the mental age of a peanut... What conversation do you think you could talk about? You couldn't discuss the world wars. You couldn't discuss the economy. You couldn't discuss the plight of the Chilean miners. You couldn't... What would you discuss with her? Whether or not she's going to model underwear again. And this is at 27. I find it 
dreadfully embarrassing. Bruce Forsyth has uh, added his considerable weight behind Anne Widdicombe. I mean that in the nicest possible way. He said that, uh, really, she was wonderful and claimed she'd boosted the show with her dance moves. Well, that's the only problem. As uh, Craig said the other day, uh, he said she can't dance. That's just the whole point of it. He said she lumbers around the floor and it's, it's a bit of a, a comedy character, but I suppose you need it. Because the rest of us are just sitting there looking at all the totty and tight revealing costumes. Like, you know, things like that. Because that's what you want to see. I want to see glamour on the television. I cannot bear it when, when people turn up on television wearing a pair of jeans. I want to see glamour. I want to see nice things. Barbara Windsor was wearing a, a lovely red outfit when she did Piers Morgan the other day. That's what I want to see. I've seen Barbara in a baseball cap and a pair of jeans. But when, when, she, when she does herself up, she looks fabulous. And that's what people pay for. People want to see, you know, people dressed up. You've got Cheryl Cole on there very shortly, hoping her interview with Piers Morgan will restore the public's faith in her. I don't think so. And I very rarely get things wrong. Very, very rarely. But I think in Cheryl Cole's case, I think people have decided that she's... Uh, she, I don't know whether, whether... I can't work out why they don't like her. I think because she's a bit smug. She's a little bit smug and they haven't... And as, as we said yesterday, Louis Walsh sat round and, and really got quite angry and said, listen, it's not all about you, Cheryl. And she looked quite shocked. And then I read in the papers today that other people have had words with her and said, listen... You need to knuckle down. You're not particularly good at what you're doing. It's no good sitting there going, I love you, chicken. You know, because you, you come across as some reject from Big Brother. We're looking for somebody a little bit more intelligent. Louis's got a track record. Simon's got a track record. Danny Minogue, I don't know what she's there for either. I'm supposed to wear clothes, and she wears them quite well. But that's all it's turned out to be. Between the girls, it's a fashionista show. For the rest of us, I'm, I'm waiting for a singing competition and trying to work out which one's going to come out very shortly and go, oh, by the way, I'm gay. Because that seems to be the standard thing on the show. Which girl's going to have the breakdown first? That I'm not interested in. I just want to know if they can do the job, but then I'm old enough in the tooth to realise that it doesn't matter whether they can sing or whether they can't sing. With auto-tune, you can turn about just about anything on the programme into, into something marginally interesting. Uh, very quickly... Uh, don't forget, the, uh, the miners, three up already. The third one is making his way to the surface, and that's uh, Juan Andres. So, good for them. As I say, 33 of them. It's going to be over two days, two or three days. So, uh, let's have your thoughts. 84850-STEVE-LBC or LBC973. And we'll go through more of the papers and some of the other stories with Jonathan Levi after the news. Here's a breath. Morning, team. Nine minutes past six. It's Wednesday morning in London town. Yesterday was the day you didn't like. Today is another day that most people don't like, but we like it today because now we've got the third miner up. 33 of them, so there's only 30 to go. It's taken... They started, what, hour and a half ago? Nearly two hours ago now. And uh, so they've got that there, and everybody's crying and clapping and looking... You know, everybody's very happy. Because, I mean, two months underground, most of them probably didn't think they were ever going to see their loved ones again. But we see Jonathan Levi. Uh, hello. And is this little Juan? Little Juan. Little, little Juan. Juan. The first one came up. He was really... I mean, considering there have been two months under... Two months. It's not like a couple of hours. Two hours. And he comes up with big smiles and presents. He's, he's chipped off the rock down there. And in his satchel around his waist, he ha starts handing out 
free bits of rock. That's excellent. You'll be able to put that on eBay. Absolutely. Probably Absolutely. had ages to plan a whole All thing. All of them. Look, look, really, really, that's little Juan there. Little Juan, there's little Juan. Everybody clapping him and... Little Juan looks fine. Yeah, well, he's been... the smiley one in the sunglasses. No, they've all been given sunglasses. Oh, because it's two so months underground, it's so dark down there. Yeah. But we, we were saying earlier on, I was talking to little Amanda, and I was saying that if you're the last miner, you're going to be down there for about an hour all by yourself. They've been nobody. fighting over which one is the last miner. Yes, yeah, so they, they they, there's a list the now. One. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you're going to make yourself quite famous. But they put, strangely enough, the most experienced miner out first. Out first. Little Juan's obviously very experienced. He must be very experienced. But not very good at arguing. Cause, no. Because he's no, nowhere near the end. It, it was, he says, I have huge public. I Which have... one's Little Amanda's favourite? Well, she likes so any far? of them. Any, any of, of them, them that emerge with a smile on their face and a pair of sunglasses. I noticed she's wearing a Chilean poncho today in, in I tribute. I know. In tribute in to, to the, the miners. Yes. She was wearing it yesterday in tribute to Clint Eastwood and the good, the bad and the ugly. And right. today, today so tomorrow, God knows what, it'll be sort of Pogel's yeah. Wood or something. She'll be uh, sort of, you know, that strange cat that's in a toy shop window. Yeah. A lot of compliments on her outfit yesterday. A lot of people said, what are you wearing? Because <laughs> isn't it funny, when you're at work now, people do talk about your clothes. Years ago, you walked into work, nobody ever went, what are you wearing? Yeah. And yet, Jonathan walked in this morning and went, aren't you cold? Yeah, people do comment on each other's clothes all they the time. They don't, I mean, and, and if somebody doesn't say anything and you think you've gone to a bit of effort, you kind of go home a bit miffed that nobody said anything. I'm going to go and buy a new suit, though. I think I'm going to try and start to be a bit smarter at work. Really? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm scruffy. Somebody said something today. Well, no, it's just. Do you feel as though you should. I feel as though I should, and I sometimes get my, go into meetings and things and feel a bit underdressed. I oh, don't know. That's, oh, I you see, I'm, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't have a dress code here. I think no. you, you could turn up wearing shorts. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I did bump into Ashley Tabor in the lift once, and he was wearing shorts. And I thought, well, if it's good enough for the boss, we can all wear them. But I looked at my legs, and I thought, no. I don't so. Well, people get too excited. But they would get excited, and also they'd have me valued as an antique, I suspect. <laughs> but but nobody... It, it, and it's quite difficult. Whereas if you go to school, you've got a school uniform, you don't worry about your clothes. No. But if, when you get out into the big bad world and you're working, you've got to find a different outfit every day if you don't wear a suit. It's being so it'd be easier work, for you to wear a suit. It would be. I need to buy... I think I need to buy a couple of suits. Really? It's commuting that's the difficulty, though, isn't it? It's getting to work and back that's the bad bit with clothes. Because, you, you know, if it's really raining... Yes. You get on the bus or the tube or whatever, you, it can be a bit grubby. And yes. You, do feel you don't bit... actually get there and feel crumpled. Exactly. So you need to Before buy a suit. Started. Yes, exactly. There's nothing worse. You get to work. You're, I see some people in the morning when I, I've got off the train at Twickenham and it started raining and they haven't brought an umbrella. And no. you can buy little tiny umbrellas now. And um, it's, it's like Sancho Panchas, isn't it, really? Don Quixote. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit Don Quixote. It's a nice look, honestly, it really is. I said when, when she actually Mexico. made it. Oh, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, Down exactly. Mexico way. <laughs> Old Paso. She, that's where I've seen her before. She's doing the old El the old Paso. Paso advert. That's right, the El Paso with yeah. her quesadillas and yeah. tacos <laughs> and stuff like that. She could sit there with the hat on her head, couldn't she? <laughs> Smoking a cheroot. Look at her, honestly. She's trying to work out how long before HR opens that she can get something against me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nick Ferrari's with you after the news at seven this morning. Uh, he'll be talking about the Chilean miners. Third one up now. Third one up. It's, good. it's at least two or three days to get these, uh, these guys all up, but he'll be looking at the situation they face. How will they deal with the return? Well, based on what we've seen this morning, they're all happy and smiling. Well, they're all fine. They've just been sitting down there. Imagine if you fell out with somebody. About. If you fell out with somebody down there, there's 33 of you having arguments. They've had food down tubes. And, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't... They can't... Was there air then down there? Do they pump air in? There's lots of air, I think. Is there? 
I think I think they were. In, I'd be terrified. I w- I they would have gone. De- they could go down long passages. Yeah. And I can't remember how they got trapped down there. Was there a, a fall or something? I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't, so remember, I can't remember how it happened Seems now. Such a long time ago. We shall find out. But anyway, amazing, we, we will be talking amazing. about that. Uh, and also, uh, a group of doctors calling for a change in the law on assisted suicide. Is death ever in the best interests of patients? Depends who it is, I suppose. And uh, Lady Margaret Thatcher will celebrate her 85th birthday at Downing Street. How strong is her legacy? Imagine quite strong. Uh, Dan Saber is a journalist. He'll be looking through the papers this morning. And it's uh, it's the miners. And Courtney splits as friend David Wed. So David Schwimmer has wed, and David Arquette and Courtney Cox have split. Oh. So I mean, but the Americans get together and sp- I mean, who cares? I want to be honest with you. It's really not going to change my life. They're serial monogamists, aren't they, Americans? Yes. Yes, I think so. And uh, strangely enough, uh, Kerry Katona has attacked Jordan. I'd have her in a fight any day, she says, in a desperate attempt to try and prove that Kerry Katona is anything but vacuous with the silly old lady hairstyle. She now has to attack somebody else um, who used to be with the agent that she's got. I mean, it's a bit tedious, really, isn't it? It seems like she will literally do anything to get into the papers. She'll have to now. I mean, ever since they, they gave her that really old lady haircut, which doesn't suit her, you know, she's, she's, she's desperately trying to come up with, uh, with something. Uh, apparently, the last miner to be pulled out of the mine... We'll go into the Guinness Book of Records. Oh, so that's why they want to be the final one. Because he'll be the one who spent the longest time the longest underground. Time underground it's quite ever. clever, isn't it? Yeah, because nobody's ever survived this long underground, have they? Apparently. No. Um, I did say to her before, I wasn't sure if she believed me, but normally miners in these countries, in China and Chile, the working conditions are appalling. Well, they'll be paid tuppence a month. They're absolutely you know. awful. awful. And, um, and normally speaking, you know, they, they would actually leave them down there. and they wouldn't, It's only because the world's attention got focused on it that they felt they had to do something. I'm Up sure. till then, they, they, they just would have left them, I think. They're going to do a book together, aren't they? And they've agreed yes. to split everything. Yeah. Good for them, because I think after two months together, you would bond. Although, strangely, I've been with her longer, and we haven't, so that's quite good news, isn't it? Quarter past uh, six is the time. Headline, Sam Pittis. The third... Now at lbc.co.uk. Sorry, we're still trying to work out. Between Jonathan and Levi and myself, this 113 million, 113, I think it is. It is so million. much money. So much money. I don't, and and you'd, you'd be the target of hate campaigns. You People would. would hate you because you'd got the money and they'd be writing to you saying, I spent my last £2 on a ticket and you won it. What's, um, apparently, if you put that 113 million in a bog standard bank account, mm. it would generate you £8,000 a day interest yeah. just without touching the capital, which is a lot to get through every day. I mean, that's a lot Is it? Of money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you think? On, even on the poshest German street socks, you couldn't get... Yes, it is true, yes, yes. I'd have to buy, yes, very, very posh socks on that. But I, I don't know what you'd do with it. I mean, apart from you would buy a house and some cars and you, you'd help out friends and family. It's so and much then what money, would you, you do? You could help out all your friends and family, so they wouldn't resent you. But well, I was discussing this with, with her next door. Million, you spent 13 million of it on friends and family, you'd still have 100 million. Yeah. But if, if you were... So, in other words, I mean, imagine if you were in my situation, if, if it was me. Do I give money to everybody I work with at LBC? Well, you give, a hun- you give 10 million to me. Sorry? 10 million to you? 5 million to Amanda. <laughs> yeah, right. God, but he's completely mad, I'm afraid. No, I was thinking more in lines of 10,000. Oh. Yeah. Because I was thinking... I, I think there's 10... Because I'm, I'm quite mean. Oh. And, and also, I don't want to spoil her. There's mm. no point. You know, she's used to lentils. There's no point in smoke salmon every day. No. Okay. That'd be a complete waste of salmon. You know, she'd be going, oh, not salmon again, Steve. I couldn't eat any more. I had a whole one last week. But if you split a million between everybody you knew... Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's all right. You still have so much money left. Yes, you're right. I mean, I, I yes, well, no, 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 perhaps not a million, but anyway, sort of maybe half a million or something. And yeah, I still have 113 million. Yes, but also, I mean, if, if you gave money to people, I mean, what would you do? Would you give money to people at work, or would you have a small party at McDonald's? You know, I'm trying to think. We could walk back and we could get a happy bag. You know, she, and a happy meal. Yeah, she'd like that. She'd be ha- if she opened a little bag and found a plastic toy in there. She'd be as happy as Larry. She'd play with that toy forever and a day. Take take her to the Texas Embassy and tell her she could have as much That's Mexican right. food. As sit she her outside the Texan Embassy. She could sit there with a poncho on. Um, Tracy is very sad. She said, "I'm heading north and I'm going to lose you at Junction Eleven on the M40." Oh no! Podcast, podcast, podcast. Poor soul. Uh, Dom and Dom. He's in St Margaret's at the moment. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, Denise says, I'm breastfeeding my son, but I'm listening on the mobile whilst breastfeeding. Don't start me on breastfeeding, Denise. This, what, so you're breastfeeding and you're listening on the phone? The last time I was in, we, t- we had a, a, a conversation about About breastfeeding. breastfeeding. I know. Yeah, that was, I know. Yeah, and that then you get last... people who write in who haven't heard properly and they get a bit sort of carried away with it. <laughs> and they, they didn't quite understand it. Uh, Lewis says, my, me and my mum Jackie always listen. Um, wish her the best for Friday. She's having an op on Friday. She's going to be off work because she's a social worker. Is she having an op because she's a social worker? Because I said, at this, at this moment, there be a lot of people, a lot of surgeons getting up, yeah. ready to do operations today. Yep. So it's good. June Whitfield had a great part, says Alan in Bromley, in Carry On Abroad. And uh, I saw Simon Callow on the tube once, says Liz. He was grumbling and swearing loudly. Well, so would I be if I was on the tube. <laughs> I do swear loudly, I'm afraid. And um, another one here. Uh, which says, uh, I went on to London Bridge Black Cab Rank about ten years ago so back, and the driver in front of me was none other than the lead singer of the Honeycombs. His name was Dennis, says Hugh. So there you go. And Paul in Hampshire says, I was thinking of you last week. I was in Borough Market and near the Hayes Gallery and saw the all-year Christmas shop. I was thinking of you in an elf costume. Well, you really mustn't. It's not a good idea to think of me in any costumes at all. But I did get sent from the Christmas shop in Tooley Street. They've got a Christmas meerkat. <laughs> and it's in the boot of my car at the moment, and the guys in the garage yesterday, Peter and Jerry and everybody else, Peter went, oh, how cute. They all fell for it. They all thought it was good. So there you go. Can't complain. Well, it's this time of year, isn't it, when we get coughs and colds and oh, sniffles. tell me about it. Especially after long-haul flights. Yes, yes. I wonder why. <coughs> Can you catch a cold from kiss from kissing? Does vitamin C really help? And is chicken soup the best remedy? All these misconceptions about coughs and colds. Vitamin C, the answer is no. It doesn't work. Somebody says you would have to consume an orange grove the size of, of Florida for vitamin C to do any good at all for you. Yeah. Bit of an old wives' tale. Yep, so it, at best it only slightly reduces the duration of symptoms. Yes, yes. I heard that from Michael Van Stratton, who knows about all these. He, he swears by garlic. So, yeah, smells a bit there, doesn't it? Well, you can garlic. get odourless garlic now. Right. But, but, yeah, it makes a tear in your eye when you chew it. She had to chew it. Did you have to chew it last week? Oh, right. Was okay. that part, part? Oh, right. Can you catch a cold from kissing? Um, I would say no, you can't. No, no, you can't catch a cold by no. kissing. It won't give you a cold. It's airborne, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, staying oh, indoors, will mm. it protect you? No. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm doing quite well on this one, actually. I'm only thinking, if you stay indoors, you tend to sort of... I, I, I tend to sit there, I drink loads of water... And then I need to go out and get some air. The one thing I wanted in Vegas was fresh air, because the hotel is all air-conditioned, yeah. no windows open, you want to get outside. If you drink alcohol, is that going to diminish the likelihood of a cold or increase the likelihood of a cold? Diminish. Diminish. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Diminish. Thank goodness for alcoholics listening at the moment. You're never going to get a cold. How many times do you see an alcoholic on a bench going, achoo, answer it, you don't.
Does blowing your nose help? No. But you need to do it because you can't breathe. But don't blow your nose with tissues because it dries up the nose. You're supposed to use a, a handkerchief right. because you don't want your nose to go all horrible and, you know. No, and you're meant to blow gently one nostril at a time. Oh, I can't do that. Can't Old do... wives are right about chicken soup. Is chicken soup... Here we go. Jewish Appar- penicillin. There is some scientific <laughs> research that, says... that apparently chicken soup does help a cold. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so now you know. Chicken you soup go. is... You watch. All my Jewish listeners, I'll be right here. I told you, Steve. I told you. Jewish penicillin, it works every time. And just the final one, does echinacea work or not? Um, now, they were hailing echinacea as the wonder drug, weren't they? I'm going to say... <sighs> moderately. Well, that's it, really. Yeah. yeah. It won't really protect you from catching a cold, but experts say don't waste your money, but lots of people think that it does sort of work, and it might a bit. It's like a placebo effect, a isn't bit, it? Yeah. Probably, yeah. I always... Oh, whenever I get accurate and all of that. That's not bad. Well, yeah. I've, I'll tell you for why I'm accurate, is because over the years, in this business, if you have a cold, you suffer. Yeah. And if you have a cold and you're ill, you don't work. Now, I'm the sort of person who can work through a cold, because I think it, it makes you feel a bit better. But I have sat in the car before in the morning, coughing and trying not to... This morning I didn't cough, and I knew it was going away, because I consumed nearly a litre of water yesterday. Right. And when you've got a really bad cold or a cough, you can't drink water, you don't want to drink it. No. What's that old thing, you feed a cold and starve Star- a fever? Starve a fever, yes. So you have to feed a cold. I didn't feel at all hungry. I came back from the flight, got in, and I bought a couple of things from M&S and some fruit salad, and I didn't want any of it. What's weird about those flight days, though, is how long the days are. You don't know where you are with meals or anything. I don't know where I was with anything, to be honest with you. So, uh, this this is only a yes or no for you, as Michael Parkinson has savaged Russell Brand as talentless, unfunny and lucky to be famous. Well, he's also savaged um, Graham Norton for being the characterising today's interviewers that have more to say than their interviewees. Yeah, I tend to fall into that. Really, Michael Parkinson. He he has said this before. Yeah, he he has been quite vocal in coming out and talking about today's chat show host. Because I mean, and to be fair to him, a lot of people think, "Oh, I'll be a chat show host," but it's not that easy. Oh, it's not easy. I don't think it is easy. to do well. I don't I mean, know. He, he was at the top of his profession. He was at the top of his profession. For a long time. He was part of the, a golden age in television. He's a brilliantly oh, golden talented age. sort of performer Dear. and presenter and whatnot. But I just think that those people should be um, more generous yeah. as they get older. I, do, I think it doesn't, doesn't put you, to show you in a very good light to be too grumpy, I think. Once you've retired from something and you're criticising everybody all the younger people that are now yes. doing it. It doesn't... But that's like listening to radio presenters, isn't it? You you do listen to people on the radio and you either associate yourself with them and you think, yes, I, I agree with what you've said. And so occasionally you don't, but you agree with them more than you don't ag- agree with them. And you, you tend yeah. to listen to people. I mean, I'm not sure if I think Piers Morgan is a particularly good interviewer or not. I think what, what he's doing is safe interviewing. Well, yeah. I mean, you're right in that they're set up as if they're very penetrating. Yes. He will ask the questions that nobody else will ask. But you won't get stars on who will answer those questions. It was tried years ago. They said that uh, Paulie Yates would have a chat show and she'd be asking celebrities questions that nobody else would ask. I thought, you're not going to get any guests because the PR companies are going to go, we're not putting a guest on there to be humiliated. No. You can get around that by being kind of quirky and ask questions nobody else will ask because they're so peculiar. Yes. Rather than penetrating. Yeah. You can ask just sort of strange questions, can't yeah. you? Yeah. I, I that, tend not to have interviews. I tend to... That's why it's called in conversation. It tends to be a conversation. You feel like you could dip into it and dip out and you'll learn something about people. 
I tend to find that's easier as opposed to sitting there with a list of questions going, so, tell us about your latest play. Yeah. What is your character? What was the motivation? You know, th- those sort of interviews bore me senseless. But that is a skill, and you are very good at getting people at their ease and, f- and sounding like they're just talking very comfortably. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. And you certainly wouldn't get it. I have it. to snog them. <laughs> I have to snog all of them beforehand. I mean, it's ten minutes outside. They were snogging and massaging and, you know, and then take them out for lunch and everything else. I mean, sometimes, because there's three of us in the studio. Well, that's before Amanda gets involved. That's before Amanda gets involved. I mean, sometimes it's even worse. But there's three of us in there, so it isn't just two people in our in-conversation relationship. It's three. Sometimes it's four, actually, depending. Listen, we'll take a very quick break. More from Jonathan uh, to other side of the news. More of your texts and emails. 84850 uk. Morning, team. Nice to have a company. It's Wednesday. It's a good day for the Chilean miners, because three are up, only another three, 30 to go. It's, it's a slow process. You'd have thought that they could have had a lift shuttle with two... two uh, Carlos is the next one coming up, actually, now. But they're all coming up in remarkably good spirits. I mean, really, nobody's come up looking dehydrated or tired. or They're just, they're just grateful after two months to be up here. My God, I bet they know each other very well. None of them want to get on the stretchers. They don't. The, the first one came up, and they went, yeah, great. And I thought, he's been standing for 20 minutes. And they make him lie down on a stretcher, and he goes, I don't want to be on a stretcher. I can quite happily, you know, walk. They did that to me in hospital. They actually put, put you on a stretcher to go to the operating theatre. And then you get to the operating theatre, and you have to get off the stretcher and walk to the table. <laughs> kind of defeats the object. OK, Steve, so the big question <coughs> oh, sorry, that all yes. the listeners are thinking and been wondering, did you join the Mile High Club on your way to Las Vegas? No. Back? No, no. Not, I, I don't believe people who say that they do join the Mile High Club. No. I really don't. I think people... Because it's just not physically possible. They're tiny, those little toilets. Not only they? that, but they're, they're, in, they're next to the, where the, the cabin crew are making teas and coffees. I know, but in, Virg- they? in Virgin... You know, people who... Oh, here we go. Oh. I'll explain it to her now. You know when people talk about the Mile High Club, and I'm thinking... This is ridiculous. You know, there's, it's, there's, there's a galley there's the there where they're making kitchen. teas and coffees. And then there's the little toilet. And there's the little tiny yeah, toilet. Yeah. It just there. doesn't happen. I did have a couple on a flight once. Amanda uh, were... looked a bit enigmatic then. She, she, when you said it doesn't happen, she sort of looked down. And looked I know, I know. Well, well I it's secretive. She's yeah, <laughs> been on an easy I think, <laughs> aptly named. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I, I, don't, I did have a couple once who were quite clearly doing something on the flight because they had a blanket over them. Right. And I just, cl- to be honest with you, I get on a flight, I have a glass of water or a tomato juice, I might have a little, you know, a little bit of food or whatever, and then I go to sleep. I don't want to talk to the person next to me. I don't know them. If you've got ten, all I keep thinking is it's like being stuck on a bus with the loony next to you. I don't want to talk to anybody next to me. Ten and a half, what are you going to say? Hello, you've been on a flight before? And I, I don't want to talk to anybody. No. Well, Amanda's just by, stand, in an easy jet, just standing by the loo, waiting. I know, she's... she's the, the trouble, she, I've never been on an easy jet flight. Yeah, it's actionable, she said. She's so desperate to get money. She's trying yeah. everything this morning, everything from, this from, morning. from the holiday presents to anything. I mean, she's sitting so there. there. She has a lawyer waiting. <laughs> Working out, wondering. Um, another one here. So it's been a lovely holiday. Did you go to the Liberace Museum? Yes. Did I buy a waistcoat? Yes. Will I be wearing it on the 4th of December? Yes. Excellent. And uh, happy birthday to David, says Lynn. Uh, David's 55 years young. Absolutely. They all say that, don't they? 55 years young, which is good. Oranges stop you getting colds. No, they don't. Sadly not. You need to eat at an orange grove in order for to it to have any effect whatsoever. Little The, the small amounts of vitamin C. I'll tell you what is good. Is it Barocca tablets are very good. Oh, are they? Which, with the plink, plink, fizz thing, they're, they're quite good. They give you a bit of a, bit of a buzz. 
And, yes, there's not a... Yeah, so there's a, a side effect, isn't there? Uh, Angela says, isn't the minor story incredible? On this 13th of October, there is a God. I always thought there was a God. I never thought there wasn't. In fact, I've found myself saying recently, more often than not, thank you, God. You know, when something happens, you think, oh, that's a nice thing to have. You've got to thank somebody. Mm. I've been thanking him for the 113 million for the last week. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, Steve, I've started eating ready brick. So does that mean winter's arrived, says Terry? Well... No, it means you're incredibly sad. Because it's red, ready brick is central heating for kids. It's not for people your age. Ridiculous. And uh, another one here. Mary says, my family are fed up with me saying, Steve says this or Steve says that. I talk about you as if you're a friend. Exactly. It's ludicrous, Mary. Don't be so silly. <laughs> so Concord used to be an awe-inspiring sight mm. in the sky. And now it might be sitting on a platform next to the London Eye. If ambitious plans oh, go ahead. nice. They're going to establish a platform going out into the river with a real-life Concord plane, jumbo jet, whatever they are, sitting on there, and you'll be able to go and have a look at it. That's a good idea. That would be great. Would you pay it? to go around Concord, ladies and gentlemen? I, I would. would. I would. I would. It would be a double-deck concourse, the plane on the top deck, and a riverboat landing stage underneath. Wow. I never went on Concord. Neither did I. I had friends who, who went on it quite a yeah. few times, but I, I never, ever went on it. Uh, Steve, tell your guests that I use a place in Savile Row for my suits. The bespoke suits are £1,000 off in December. £1,000 off. £1,000 off. Yes, he, he, he was thinking expensive. of maybe getting his complete outfits for the year for £1,000, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is not uh, not so good. Uh, and then Andy Thomas listens to this programme. He's uh, moved to London to tour with his award-winning comedy show, Crimes Against Humanity's Teachers. It's on in Wimbledon, 4th to the 6th of November. And uh, he said, um, I've never heard a more interesting radio show. Well, thank you. And he says, uh, I think it's fab. So it makes my morning brighter, which is, uh, which is good news. If we put a smile on somebody's face, you know, I think that's worth it. You know, it doesn't cost anything to have a little smile nowadays, except if you're in Essex. And we've now gone Essex mad, and here they all are. They've dragged them out from God knows where. Poor little Mark, a peculiar creature at the best of times. Are there photos of the stars of ITV2's Yes, they're now calling the babes, the geezers, the venues, the girls. Portia Watson... Porsche. I mean, who in their right mind calls somebody Porsche unless you're really pretentious? And uh, Mark Wright, who's the super vain Essex wide boy. I've got no idea why, Mark. Your hair's disappearing faster than your career. Not that I don't think you've got a career. A very good friend of Jack Tweed. Yes, kind of says it all. The girls all look... I mean, I don't want to be rude about them, but they look as though they're just... They're going lap dancing. Yeah. The, you well, know, that's th the look, though, isn't it? Is it? That's the look. Sam's wearing somebody else's hair. I'm assuming an ox. Jessica... Just looks vacant. Amy, I don't know what you do, love. And Lauren, aren't you too old to be on this show? She's apparently going out with Mark. They're, they're well suited. They both look a bit fake. Mark's wearing fake tan, silly little girly boots, and doesn't appear to do anything. He's a club promoter. It's this new genre of television, for anybody that hasn't seen it. Dramality, yeah. which is kind of half drama, half reality. And it's, so it's really a reality series, but it's shot like a drama. And there's other programmes, like The Hills and The City, that are American, and they've kind of worked uh, rather like this. And they're real people living real lives, but the situations have been set up, and there's a sort of a script and story producers and stuff. So yeah. it's sort of like producing a drama out of a load of larger-than-life people uh, and cutting it and presenting it like a drama. But they're but very, they they're very simple people. Lives. I mean, well, you look at Mark, people, yeah. 23, he has the mental age of a 15-year-old. I mean, That's I've never seen anybody who's so stupid. Superficial and shy. Yes, Kirk, apparently is only 22, but, I mean, looks about 50. Yeah, they tried the same thing in, um, in, in uh, what's that posh place near Manchester? 
uh, where the footballers Cheshire. Live. Cheshire. Yeah. They tried a similar Posh place thing. near Manchester. <laughs> they tried a similar thing in Cheshire. But yeah. It didn't really work. Whereas Essex is it's like our in terms of the, those people really seem to think that they're living in in uh, Beverly Hills with their nail bars and the little dogs on yeah. with, with diamond encrusted collars yes. and all the fake tan and all the n- nightclubs and stuff so they really think that they're living that la life in essex but the funny is thing is so we, we, we were actually saying during the news that they're living what they think is the la life and yet if you go out to la nobody's like this at all only the pretentious old tart standing on the corners addressing like this because the majority of people a you don't walk Anywhere in LA, you, you, you take cars, and B, most of the places wouldn't accept girls like this because they wouldn't really know what they did for a living. Yeah. And what worries me is you've got Lauren here. Lauren is only 23. This is the one who looks about 50. She's 23. She's a fake tan lover. She had Mark's name tattooed on her bikini line only for him to dump her shortly afterwards. I mean, how tarty. I mean, how sad and lonely must Lauren be? And we Jessica, saw that in, the, in episode one when she was having her spray tan. Oh, but they seem to have found the same family because Jessica is Mark's sister. Yeah. Who despairs of her little brother. I think we're actually despairing of you as well, yeah, Jessica. Jessica's in a girl band. And oh, is this one, Lola? I think so, Didn't yeah. Didn't Jack Tweed have something to do with that? They kind of sunk without... You're a bit old to be in a girl band, aren't you, Jessica, dear? So they sang in the nightclub, in yeah. the, in the uh, Mark's Friends nightclub. I don't think they've put much effort into this programme. They've obviously just gone to Mark's. Have you got a couple of friends? Yeah, I'll drag my sister in. She can do it. She's in a girl band. Really? What at her age? Yeah. And then they've got Amy Childs, who's a beauty therapist, model, and promo girl. In other words, she can't actually do anything particularly well. And they had a funny conversation <laughs> during the show because she said that um, Essex Girl was in the dictionary. And, uh, but then she wanted to know, because apparently the description of Essex Girl in the dictionary was critical and negative, she wanted to know who wrote the dictionary oh, and if bless. they weren't whether they were from Essex because if they were from Essex they wouldn't have written that but if they're from Liverpool or Manchester or somewhere else then they'd have written it because they'd have criticised Essex and what? she said it with a completely straight face I know they, they, they don't realise the irony what worries me about this whole thing is poor little Mark this poor little fake tan creature he's, he's sort of 23 now but mental age 15 what do they see as a career I mean what does he think is he going to be living with mummy and daddy forever well he'll think of himself as a superstar now really yeah I would have he just looks so. particular do you know what he looks like he looks like a slightly tubbier version of joe swash i know what you mean and we remember where joe swash's career went yeah you know so they have to be particularly careful but as i say looking at poor old lauren i mean god no when you look in the mirror first thing in the morning i mean eat more at the salad bar okay that's all i'll say i don't want to be rude about it but i think you could eat more at the amy you know, it's a very nice look, darling, provided you just got that one look, which you appear to have. Jessica, girl band, don't think so. And Sam, I think she's a, she's a glamour model. That's where a lot of them come from, don't they? They seem to come from Essex. And for glamour model, Reed, you can't actually do anything else, but you're prepared to get your bits out. I go. think I could be a glamour model, actually, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to learn pole dancing. But it's... it's it, it, yes, Jodie Marsh is from Essex. Oh, yes, of course. I think I rest my case, actually, because the last time we saw Jodie Marsh, she was on Waterloo Station in a bed. OK, rest my case on that one. It's funny, actually, because most of the guys I've seen from Essex are quite normal. It's only the ones who want to be on television are a bit peculiar and odd, a bit like Mark. But there you go. Bit of a shame. But it's, it's getting an audience, and that's all that matters. I just worry it'll give them false hope that they might be of interest to people. It'll give them huge illusions of yes. grandeur. Yes, yes. What if Mark uses eyeliner? Anyway, uh, quarter to seven is the time. One, one per chances to dream, I suppose. Let's have a look at the news headlines. With Sam Pittis. Three of... This morning from seven. LBC 97.3.
Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Wednesday morning. The good news is three miners up, 30 to go. The fourth one, I think, is uh, is on his way. They've uh, they've got the cameras down in. If you're watching on television, listening on the radio at the same time, you'll probably catch it. But they literally sent the capsule. I mean, it's phenomenal what they've done to actually get the capsule in there. It's as if it's just come through the rock and there is this capsule in the corner of the cave that they're in. And it's in virgin rock, isn't it, apparently? Yes, it's, I mean, it's, so it's, it's phenomenal. They've burrowed all the way through, and they've lined the, the, the pipe, lined the hole with pipes and yes. bits of things to cushion it. But, but you're in a narrow little cage, and it's 20, a thank you, little cage, 20 minutes to get 20 you up. 20 minutes, but they've got talk back in the cage, haven't they? And all sorts of um, microphones and things. Yeah. I, th- I think it's... But it just... It, it's, it's like a scene from Doctor Who. Yeah. The, the thing pops out like you're getting into a time capsule and you get in it. And then up you go. And then up you go, which is great. Apparently there's a Concorde at the Brooklands Museum in Weybridge, says Maureen. What, a whole... Con- an actual Concorde? Wow. I think so, yes. I mean, I went to a... When I went to Biggin Hill, they were selling Concorde bits. Really? Yes. They'll be selling mining bits. There will. There'll be rock. All the rock that he came up with. I know. And the rest. One here from from Sula says, I went to see Concord in Bristol. It only cost £12. It's no longer on show, but there is a Save Concord campaign. Basildon is nicknamed Bas Vegas. Basildon. The Millionaire's Playground. And incidentally, Celia says, my daughter would like a poncho for her birthday. Can you tell me where your colleague bought it from? It's, well, she calls it a cardigan, apparently. It's got sleeves, but then a lot of ponchos have got sleeves. She's wearing it, and, uh, and she is sitting down there with a taco and the Mexican hat, and she, she's very good at bringing her knees up to, sort of, underneath her chin. It's that she's sort of familiar... She's got little wooden guitar. That's right, yeah. So she's very good at it. <laughs> so, so, I don't know where, where she bought it from. I don't, I don't know. Where did you get it from? Is there a... Is there a... You get it from the poncho shop or something. Is there a poncho? Look at her, bless her heart. Honestly, she's got no idea. It's not a poncho. And uh, she says, uh, and also, a meerkat for Christmas. How lovely. Well, there you go. Uh, and Ollie says, I now class myself as from London, not Essex anymore. Well. Well, it, uh, well, especially when it's, bearing in mind, the only people who want to appear on television are the vain people. You won't get the majority of people saying, oh, I'll be on television, will you? No. It doesn't happen like that. You, you have to find people who actually want to be on it. So they, they, they do go there. Uh, very quickly, um, Steve, Ross would never have got Cagney, Astaire, Edward G or Betty Davis, says Stephen Bridlington. That is true. And I think Parky did good interviews in, in the days when there were good people to get on television chat shows. Yeah. There aren't the, the calibre, I think, of, uh, of guests before. Well, he did everyone, didn't he? He did kind of interview most people. Oh, gosh, yes, yes. I remember when he so did long. Cagney. I think it's on YouTube. Yeah. Cagney put on a lot of weight, but it was still James Cagney. Uh, very quickly, uh, Barbara says, Many years ago, I was on a bus with Kenneth Moore and his wife, very famous actor. Interesting, no one spoke to him except one old codger who commented, Glad to see you getting around so well in your tin legs now. Because he played Douglas Barder, oh, of course. Yeah. He was in Genevieve. Oh, great, great actor. So that's, that, that's quite nice. I like that one. And uh, Les says, Thatcher's legacy is very strong because she's celebrating her 85th birthday. Yeah. It's going to be a reception at Downing Street. And uh, if you're getting ripped off by your gas or electricity supplier, thank Thatcher. She privatised the utilities. If you've got nowhere to live or sky high rent, thank Thatcher. She sold off the council housing and scrapped the Fair Rent Act. If you stop your car for 10 seconds on a yellow line and got a £120 fine 10 days later through the post, thank Thatcher. She decriminalised parking control. (laughs) I never actually got any of those sort of parking things at all. Uh, Is it trick-or-treating soon? 
it's Halloween soon, isn't it? Isn't it the 31st? It's a couple of weeks. She'll be out as She'll usual. She's got a... I've seen her broomstick in the office. It's oh, really? there. Oh, absolutely. She wastes no time. How does she get to work in the morning? She'll be collecting sweets from all the houses in all the... All well, in America, they actually provide you. I mean, they're so big into trick-or-treating. Massive over All there. the hotels have got, in the, in the Bellagio, huge, huge displays for Halloween. Really? Huge pumpkins. Huge pumpkins and things. And, and, and it's big over there. We don't do it as much here. She's good. Does she trick-or-treat you in the, in the studio? Yeah, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. She no. does actually trick me. Right. She tricks me into sort of sitting here for an hour without anything to drink while I'm sort of coughing myself to death, and she just sits there smiling, going, I can't hear you. You know, we get all of that in the morning. Yeah, exactly. You know, if I got a bigger present from Las Vegas, you might have got a cup of water quicker. Dave swears by chicken soup. He says, I had some last night, felt a cold coming on, and today, it's gone. So that's good news, isn't it? Lucky Dave. <laughs> yes, lucky Dave, because we're, we're all in that. Wish Mum a uh, happy birthday for yesterday. She was 86. And that's uh, Sheila. So, Sheila, happy birthday for yesterday. You can go to Concord at Duxford Air Museum. They're everywhere by the sound of it. How many have we got of these things? What are there lying around in the What's another one from Brooklyn, says Ingrid. The BAE factory used to be nearby where Concord components were made. There's no less than three entire Concord since we had that conversation. Somebody said there was one at Heathrow the other day, but I haven't checked that one out. I'm watching X Factor, and uh, apparently Kate... Katie Wassail, or Wassell, has threatened to quit. Uh, she was hit with a backlash. She goes to see Mum after row, quit threat over wacky outfits. And, um, as I say, it's just people trying to get a recording contract for an album and then it finishes and we go for next year's. Her mum was um, complaining yesterday that people are being mean to her, saying that, saying that they were just like it with Daniel Johnson last year and yeah. now they're being mean to her this year. Well, then, year. Wh- why, why would you worry, Mum? You know, she put herself up on the programme. Nobody forced her to go there. No. You know, either you're intelligent enough to know what the press are going to be like or and go, oh, they're really mean to her. And you think, well, they've done it before. Yeah. It's not, 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 there's nothing new here. That's how people get publicity. It's the ones who aren't being talked about. I would worry more about. £1.2 billion in payday loans. We're becoming ever more reliant on expensive payday loans to tide us through cash flow problems. It is very difficult Uh, for an awful lot of people, especially if you're a freelancer and you invoice and you don't get paid until weeks and months later for your work. Yeah. Then it's very difficult, isn't it, to the people's cash flow issues. It's really, really hard. So people are turning to these loan companies, payday loan companies, to get them through until they next get paid. Well, I used to have this years ago where you would, you would borrow money from the bank or you'd go into overdraft, yeah. and then when your wages came in, depending on how bad the overdraft was, the money that came in paid off the overdraft, so you, back, you started again. That, it was how, a never-ending cycle. I reckon that's how an, mo- an awful lot of people in London live all the time. Glasgow. They just live in their overdraft. Yes. I know I sometimes do. You know, it's hard. It's yeah. difficult, isn't it? You get paid and then you're just back in overdraft. Well, you do tend to find that all of a sudden you'll have a month where every single bill arrives in. Yeah. And for some reason, for us, it'll be Christmas. You know, you get Christmas, you spend the money on the presents, and then just after Christmas, when it's a, lo- a six-week month, because you don't get paid, yeah, you get paid really early, month, that and one, all of a sudden all the bills arrive in. There's always something as well, isn't there? There's always something you haven't yes. thought of. 
some oh, huge don't. bill. I have a horrible feeling. Then. Just before Christmas, I've got VAT, yeah. and then you've got tax bill that You'll comes in January. By the her revenue. present alone. Luckily, Poundland opened a short while ago, so we're OK right. there. Well, that's something. <laughs> so at least I'm not going to waste money. I'm going to, you know, I don't know what to buy her. Well, then there's her birthday as well, so it's not just you don't Christmas. Do her birthday. You don't do the birthday? No, I don't do birthdays. They do birthdays here. I do if I'm forced, but generally speaking, I don't. I just wish people happy, you know, happy birthday, happy you know, birthday, like yes. I care. Yeah. What did I give you for your birthday? I gave her money for a birthday. Oh, she'll like Can I give her that much? I knew I was mentioning something to the accountant. If I'm giving money like that away, it's ludicrous. <laughs> but but that, it is true. If you're in a company, it's very difficult because you have to give birthday... I don't, I don't give Christmas cards to everybody here. Just a few people. People I've worked with a long time. You just can't do it. No. It's ridiculous. I give to friends. Uh, there's a Concord in Barbados. Oh, they're everywhere. You know, I'm, it's like an epidemic. And um, Concord's around by the yes, time of it. Yes, and the Concord at Brooklands is not a real one. It's the model which used to be on the roundabout at Heathrow as you went in. Oh, oh well, that one. Okay. Oh, fine. Right. Now I know what it is. Sadly, we've got no more time. Oh dear, little person. We have to um, to wish you a cold Wednesday. A cold, dark Wednesday. It is cold, isn't it? Yeah. Cold and dark outside. Both. But we we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you very much, Jonathan Levi. Uh, after the news at seven. Nick Ferrari's here. Uh, continuing with the Chilean miners, the fourth miner, Carlos, is on his way up again. I mean, it's, the enthusiasm there has, uh, has never dimmed. They all look very, very happy indeed. And uh, they'll all be thinking, can we really make money out of this? The answer is yes, they can. They've decided they're going to split the profits of any book or any film that is made about them. It's going to be quite fantastic. Go to the LBC website. Learn about the LBC Diary, which is coming out, of which I've ordered four already, and because I'm in it for December, and Nick's in it, and everybody else. And, uh, and you can also podcast and read the blog and everything else. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at five. Nick and guests with you after the news at seven. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Sam.